Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth with the utmost efficiency. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We have an action-packed show for us today. We have the unadorned truth coming at you in rapid succession today. This is the oasis of truth for all of Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. We are the guidepost for all truth seekers and where they turn for an explanation of the unexplainable. We also discuss and expose the media malpractice occurring every day on the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Networks. In times of political upheaval, folks, and turmoil, we do unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the left and the media malpractice that's going on with this COVID nonsense. And I think it's very important for us to understand because they seem to be, again, wish-casting and uh, for another outbreak of infectious deaths of COVID. I mean, that's what I think we're seeing. Pennsylvania numbers of infections are increasing. However, death rates and hospitalization rates are not. But that doesn't stop the media malpractice of reporting phony stories to create more panic. In Pennsylvania, we have about 6% of all our cases ending up in the hospital, and almost 84% of all fatalities occurred in nursing homes, folks. Don't miss that. You see, the Prompt to Propaganda Networks, well, they're constantly reporting on increased infection rates. Of course, they leave out increased testing, and importantly, probably as important, they omit the hospitalization numbers and omit the death rates. See, they were attempting to highlight, it was interesting, they were attempting to highlight the Arizona numbers because, because infections there are increasing. But alas, there, there too, the hospitalization numbers are not extraordinarily high. They only had 24 new hospitalization numbers in Arizona the first few days of, of July. I want to comment as well on the, on the website. What's really important on this is Arizona's website is a very good website. I think our Pennsylvania state leaders should probably go to Arizona and figure out how they're doing their website, because quite honestly, they might actually put a website together that has some information that can help our you know, website visitors gain and glean information so that they're not so panic-stricken every time they, they can't find information. See, the Pennsylvania website is just so impractical and, and it's just so bad. But anyway, now you got Florida's Department of Health. And I think what's interesting here, too, is they were talking about the increased cases in Florida. I guess the, the Florida Department of Health added, uh, I guess they, they, they talked about adding uh, 6,336 new cases, bringing the state's total a little over 206,000, which had been tallied since March 1st. Critics have for weeks warned that Florida was shaping up to be the next New York. It seemed like they were wish casting there as well. They called it an early epicenter of the virus in the United States. Well, while it's true that Florida's caseload is increasing, the death rate, however, is not following the same pattern. Florida has about half the deaths Pennsylvania does. And they, I guess they added about 47 new on Monday, 47 new cases on Monday or, or new fatalities. But the total represents less than 
2% of all known cases in the state, which is a population of 21 million people. What's really compelling on this, and again, the, 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 prop, the propaganda networks leave this out, New York State has about 19 million people, and they had about 402 cases, 402,000 cases and almost 32,000 fatalities, which is really an amazing thing, okay? And when you take those cases from New York City as well, and you add those to the total and, and you know, everything else, when you take New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York, What's really compelling on this is that you say, well, why is it Florida's not in that mix? Well, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis, who's the Republican governor of Florida, acted in a way that the Democrat governors of Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey did not act. See, Ron DeSantis, the Republican, took decisive action at the start of the pandemic to protect the state's most vulnerable in nursing homes, you see. He drew a firm red line in the sand. But see, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania leaders, uh, they, they required nursing homes to take recovering coronavirus patients, leading to mass fatalities in long-term care facilities. Those three states, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey, make up almost 54,000 of the 120,000 total fatalities in the country. Now, that is news unpacked with a punch. And I wanted our listeners to understand that. Because the Democrats are, the Democrats in those states let this happen. And I don't want to miss that. But anyway, I want to jump a little bit on Trump's 4th of July speech as well as uh, Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore. These were probably the most important presidential speeches since, well, since Reagan's speeches back in the, uh, the early 80s. Trump basically recharged his base with an America first speech, describing a American exceptionalism and uplifting our rich history. He described and compared the left's rewriting history and tearing down our heroes. He called out the Marxist left for taking a sledgehammer to the greatest foundational document, our Constitution. You see, folks, liberalism has been transformed into anti-Americanism. And I think that's something I don't want our listeners to miss. It's no longer liberalism or progressivism. No, folks, those concepts have been transformed into anti-Americanism. Make China great again-ism, okay? That's what they're doing with that. Kids are being filled in Chicago. If you look at what's going on with the Democrat mayors in our cities, and I think what's interesting on this is that you're looking at what's going on in the cities. Kids are being killed every day in Chicago. They're on pace to have 1,000 people plus, over 1,000 people killed in, in Chicago in 2020. Now, if I was to tell you, if I was to say, uh, you know, we're playing like a Jeopardy television show, and I was to say uh, cities with over 1,000 civilian casualties, deaths, you know, if you were to call on the $500 question, and the question would be, this city has will have over 1,000 people killed in the year 2020, 
by, you know, by murder, the answer would not be war-torn Baghdad or war-torn Cabal or war-torn Damascus, folks. No, the answer is going to be Chicago. See, folks, Chicago's melting down. The Marxist mayor is looking to defund her police as well. Oh, boy, that's a winner. Or she's really trying to help her citizens. Not. And, you know, there's other Democrat cities over this past Fourth of July weekend that were suffering. And these Democrat mayors, all of them want to cut funding to police. Now, what Trump basically did was he declared that the federal government is is willing to help them and uh, if they want it. But these other cities like New York, they suffered nine killed over that weekend, and then Philadelphia had five killed. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. I think what's amazing is we're on pace to see over 1,000 citizens killed in Chicago, and some of these other cities may not have that many, but they're still going to have nearly that many killed this year. Non-combatant Iraqi citizen civilian deaths in 2019, folks. There were 2,392 total Iraqi non-combatant civilian deaths in 2019. Chicago is on pace to achieve half that number. And again, folks, I don't want our listeners to miss that. But the Marxist mayor is delivering nothing but misery and despair for the people of Chicago. There'll be more people killed by criminals in Chicago this year than any one-year total of coalition casualties in the Iraq war. Now, that is very compelling and a very distinct unpacking of facts, folks. Don't miss that. I mean, there'll be more people, more civilians, more innocent people killed by murderers and criminals in Chicago this year than any one-year total of coalition casualties in the Iraq war. That's just an amazing statistic, folks. And these victims of crime are not being killed by policemen. No, 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 they're not being killed by policemen, folks. But predators and criminals, that's who's doing the killing. We have mobs tearing down our historic statues. Now, the way it normally works if a, if a, if a community wants a statue removed, the way it normally works when you have law-abiding citizens is they they petition the government to move it, okay? They petition their lawmakers. Then the lawmakers decide how they want to handle it. But with mob rule, they just go in there and handle it. They just go in there and destroy it. What I think was interesting was at the, I believe it was the Mount Rushmore speech, Trump called out those bad people. Of course, he did it in both speeches, but he also announced that the uh, they arrested the ringleaders of the Andrew, St- the Andrew Jackson statue damage and said that the ringleaders will do 10 years each in jail. Now, that's delicious, folks. And, uh, of course, that wasn't unpacked on the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Networks. You're only hearing it right here on the Beacon of Truth, right here on WFYL. See, folks, what we have is stone silence from not just some many Republicans out there who are just waiting for all this to end, but but we do hear from some Republicans, don't we, on the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Network, you know, the never-Trump Republicans. 
I mean, we have stone silence from everybody else, but we have John Kasich on CNN, fake news, a few days ago, pretending to be an expert, of course. He's out there pretending to be an expert. An expert at what? I, I don't know. Maybe he's an expert. John Kasich is an expert at losing presidential primary elections because that's what he's good at. Anyway, they have this guy on there because of his, you know, he fits the narrative of parading these, these Trump haters forward. So John Kasich's out there declaring that there's a Republican meltdown. I thought that was interesting. Folks, I don't know what he means by that. I mean, if he's looking at facts and data, I think maybe he means that with over 90% approval within the Republican Party, that the meltdown is occurring with any obstacles within the party to enable the Republicans to maximize turnout and enthusiasm this year. Maybe that's what John Kasich meant. Maybe we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. It didn't sound like those were the words that came out of his mouth, but I can't imagine that he's referring to a meltdown of any other sort in the Republican Party other than those obstacles that former presidential candidates have had in the past. <clears throat> obstacles in basically bringing out maximum turnout and maximum enthusiasm on Election Day. Donald Trump has got that. He's got, he, he's got maximum enthusiasm right now, which is going to result in maximum turnout. And folks, don't miss this. Don't miss this. This election is going to be a turnout election. They know it. Joe Biden knows it. The Democrats know it. This is going to be a turnout election, a base turnout election. And with that being said, what you're not seeing in any of these fake polls or any of these phony polls out there, what you're not seeing is you're not seeing the levels of enthusiasm in the base for the nominee of the party. For instance, if you were to look at recent polling that I've seen done on Biden's enthusiasm within the Democratic Party, the Democrats' enthusiasm for Biden is, is under 40%. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty important and significant, folks. Because when your party's enthusiasm is not there for you in July, you got problems. Now, of course, he's trying hard to generate enthusiasm from his basement, but that's really what you're up against here. Now, his, his enthusiasm levels are actually lower than the enthusiasm levels that Hillary Clinton had at this point in her campaign in 2016. So she actually had higher enthusiasm levels than Joe Biden does right now. This is very concerning to Republicans. However, in the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Networks, you're not hearing any of that. Folks, they're just putting it out there every day that the polls show Biden winning and Biden doing this and that. But what they're not putting out are the very relevant, significant points and facts that the enthusiasm levels that the Democrats have for Joe Biden is about half of what it is for, for Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump's enthusiasm levels are, are in record levels, record high levels, record high levels, folks. Don't miss that. Now, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, I said we, we had Trump out there declaring on the 4th of July, and, of course, the July 3rd over there in Mount Rushmore, he was declaring America first traditions all over again, supporting this country 
And Joe Biden had his response. And I want to share with our listeners today what that response is. Biden vows to not restore America, but to transform it. I guess they're looking to, uh, what they're looking to do is to restart capitalism in a different way. I don't know what they're thinking. But anyway, Biden vows to take action against something that he claims exists and has existed since the founding of our country. I think that's very, very dynamic as well. He's, he's all the all the systemic problems that this country is 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 going through right now. He he claims that he has the solutions, although those solutions were completely absent for the past forty seven years that Joe Biden's been in Washington. So he's going to have a hard time convincing Americans that he has solutions. Because everyone's going to ask the question, where were you for the last five decades? I mean, where was he on these alleged problems for the last eight, well, for the for the eight years he was vice president with Barack Hussein Obama? What problems, systemic problems did they solve, folks? Where were either one of them on these systemic problems? They were nowhere, folks. Look, this guy is a stuffed shirt aloof Democrat bureaucrat, okay, trying to play on emotion and avoid the patent failures of his legacy as a U.S. congressman, a U.S. senator, and the vice president of the United States for eight years. But for 47 years, he's had nothing but a failed legacy, and now he's trying to promise to deliver it on something that, quite honestly, he's been absent without leave on. See, Biden has accepted the vision of the the American left, the anti-American left. He's accepted that vision. So what does he mean with his promise of transforming America? Well, let's take a look at that. Well, what does he mean? With crime? I guess he means the Democrats and and Biden will, will have taken the side of the criminals. Okay, that's what they're looking to do. Oh, how about education? They seem to have a winning case with education. Well, the the Democrats and Biden have taken the side of the teachers union over academics with, and and you can't miss that, academic results. We got failed academic results and they have no solutions. Oh, how about with trade? Well, the Democrats and Biden have taken the side of the Make China Great Again group, the globalists, with creating more jobs in China. India, Europe, and everywhere else but the United States. And I guess you could you could throw that in there and in the economy as well. Because they've really they've taken the sides of the globalists, as I said, the Democrats and Biden with their slogan and policies of make everyone else except America great again. I mean, this is where they're at. Well, what about the fuel policies? Well, the Democrats and Biden have taken the side of inefficient fuels for warmer houses in the summer and colder homes in the winter for increased cost of living. That's what that means. And as I stated earlier in the show, with the COVID flattening economy rules that these Democrats and governors have put forward, they want to force masks on everyone. And now our governor is out there saying that he will enforce masks on people until, of course, we come around and 
to our senses and elect a new governor in two years. So he's basically saying everyone wears a mask until until the state elects a Republican governor, which will happen, I think, in two years. This is what this guy wants. Look, they support obfuscation of information from the public. If you want evidence of that, just go to the Pennsylvania Health website, try to get some COVID information on that. You're going to see how little you actually get on that website. And they also want to prevent businesses from fully reopening, basically telling everyone where they can go and when, you see. Well, folks, if the Democrats and Biden ever get into power, they will launch a full-scale assault of everyone. Okay, they, they want to defund the police, and we know that, and Biden will not be able to stand up against these vindictive anarchists. We know that, too. They will call out people they don't agree with by calling them names and whatnot, threatening them. They want to shut down our religious liberty. They want to challenge private property rights. They want to take away our Second Amendment rights. They want to subsidize abortions. They will eliminate private health care. They'll ban efficient, effective fuels. They'll stack the Supreme Court with activist judges. They'll eliminate the Electoral College, and they'll allow vote harvesting and vote cheating. And, of course, they will raise our taxes and reduce our standard and way of life. Folks, that's all the bad ideas in one place, and they're all there for Joe Biden and the Democrats. they got all the bad ideas running underneath one roof. If you want to see some real bad economic policy, go to, the, go to their websites and see for yourself. Or actually, just listen here, and we will unpack it for you. Because we will truly do it in a way that uh, that you'll uh, you'll get the full unvarnished truth right here, right here on eleven eighty WFYL. What's interesting is too. I got I got to throw this little knot in here. Susan Rice was interviewing for the job, I guess, for the running mate for Biden. She was on the Sunday shows, and she was claiming that. Both her and Biden have tons of bureaucratic experience. And as she stated, she has lots of experience in making the bureaucratic system work. What I found unbelievably amazing is that they're so oblivious to what Americans go through every day that they actually referred to what they're calling an effective government, (laughs) an effective government. They're trying to basically, they're calling a bureaucratic experience or bureaucratic system. Folks, you will hardly ever, ever see the the terms bureaucrat or bureaucratic in the same sentence with effective and efficient and, and just smooth running. Okay, you won't ever see those terms, those words used in the same sentence with bureaucrat or bureaucratic because... Efficiency and effectiveness are not characteristics of a bureaucrat. They're just not. They're not. And I think what's interesting is that Susan Rice doesn't get that. I think that's delicious. And I thought I'd share that with our listeners today. It's sort of like an oxymoron that she would call bureaucracies efficient. I mean, they're not. Bureaucracies are not efficient. They're inefficient. They're ineffective. Okay, but she's on Meet the Depressed on this past Sunday. She was harping how reckless Trump was 
for not releasing the uncorroborated intelligence of Russian bounties on U.S. servicemen and women to Congress. I mean, this is the same woman that was lying to the press after the Benghazi terrorist attack on our embassy, calling it a protest. If you remember, folks, she was on all those talk shows. This is the same woman. Now you got me that the press brings her back on. This is how bad, how glaring the media malpractice goes on every day. I mean, meet that the press brings back a a former ambassador for a former ambassador for Barack Hussein Obama brings her back to the television to discuss public policy. Oh, say eight years or so, maybe nine years after she just got busted for lying, if you will, uh, about the uh, the Benghazi attacks, calling them protests, if you recall. Well, they let her up easy, and man, man, they, they bring her right back, because after all, it's not about getting facts and truth out, it's about them getting a narrative out, and Susan Rice is what they got, so they put her out there. Anyway, media malpractice in the very, very, uh, in plain sight, hiding in plain sight there on Meet the Depressed, and Susan Rice was out there doing this. I can't imagine anyone getting advice from Susan Rice on public policy. Okay, and uh, that's just a topic of of discussion there as well. Now, I've had people ask me, and I want to share, a, I want to talk a little bit about this, about what is the difference between a protester and an anarchist agitator? I mean, really, I mean, what's the difference between them, Okay. Well, the right-to-life protesters are probably the best example I can give you of a protester. Because every year they they have hundreds of thousands going to Washington, D.C. These protesters are seeking to bring change to public opinion on abortion. And they've succeeded in this. They have. We have about 80% of this country opposed to abortion, other than to save the life of the mother, after the first trimester. So 80% of this country believes it's it's wrong to have an abortion after the first trimester. I think that's a lot of progress that the right-to-life protesters have brought about. They've also changed the minds of a, the majority of Americans. About 52% in recent polls are opposed to any abortion at any point in the trimester in pregnancy, except, of course, to save the life of the mother. And again, as I talked about, hundreds of thousands of right-to-life marchers protest safely and peacefully Every year, they show up, they clean up after themselves, they're there, they're, 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 they're just polite people, and they're just there trying to change public opinion. Then we have these Marxist extremists, <clears throat> anarchist agitators. Well, they're destroying cities, looting businesses, and assaulting people. And they don't care about any of the cares about any of the plights and or the needs either perceived in feelings or in actuality. They only want to bring an end to America and seize power. Don't miss that. That's a huge, distinct difference between a protester and a Marxist extremist anarchist agitator. 
Okay, I mean, it's just a major difference. George Orwell described his experience. He had an experience <clears throat> back in the 30s when he wrote a book on this called Animal Farm. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> these Marxist extremist anarchist agitators, they want to bring on a brutal dictatorship like the former Soviet Union in China, which will bring an end to America. That's their goal. That's their goal. More George Orwell described this in his book. It's sort of like a parody of sorts. And I'm going to break it down for our listeners that maybe are not familiar with the book Animal Farm. He describes a group of farm animals <clears throat> who live on a poorly run farm who rebel against their leaders, hoping to create a society where the animals can be equal. They can be free and they can be happy. So they adopt the seven commandments of animalism, which underscores their central decree that all animals are created equal. All animals are equal. Ultimately, however, the rebellion is betrayed and they all end up worse off and more hopeless than before. And the central dec decree is now changed to all animals are equal. Some are more equal than others. Folks, Joe Biden and the Democrats <clears throat> are taking the side of the Marxist anarchists. And I don't want to miss that. Okay, they're taking the side of the Marxist anarchist agitators. They're downplaying or they're remaining completely silent on their attempt to destroy our traditions, rewrite our history, and bring an end to America. I think they're counting votes instead. And it's like I said, this is like the men and the pigs in Animal Farm. When they were playing cards, flattering and praising each other as they cheated in the game. Folks, but I don't want to have, and I, I think it's interesting, is you, you want to you want to listen to any, if you, as long as you're able to tolerate it, listen to any of the press conferences that Joe Biden has. He's had like two, I think, in the last four months. But in the next press conference, just ask, I should say, listen for any questions that are asked of Joe Biden about whether or not he supports these Marxist anarchist agitators and their destruction of our monuments and our statues. And see what he says with that, if he's asked the question. Of course, he won't be asked the question because the prop the propaganda networks, they don't, they don't want that truth out there. Okay, they don't want that truth out there. They just don't. Look, the fact that our great country and our people have done more to free the oppressed and lift the downtrodden all over the world than more than any other country in the world is something that'll be left out of questioning or answers from Joe Biden to and from Joe Biden answers from him. But, you know, you got to ask, well, how is it? How is it that our country, I mean, how, how can I say our country is great and that we've done more to free the oppressed and lift the downtrodden? How can I say that? Because folks, by our very existence, we give hope to those living in darkness in the darkness of communism and socialism, we are here. And because we are here, we are the biggest thorn in their side. Don't miss that. 
our existence along with the all the social media and the internet has given the world a front row seat of our greatness and our and the opportunity for all. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at the fact that our nation has given more foreign financial aid to anyone else, anyone, to any country in need more than anyone else on planet Earth. Look at that. That's a fact. Let's look at the fact that hundreds of millions are enslaved in communism and Marxism where the government takes over 70% of the church offerings. Yes, that's right. Over 70%. Look at those living in poverty everywhere where, where people are beaten and imprisoned for words spoken, folks, for, for expressing an opinion. They're beaten and, and, and imprisoned. we got many countries out there persecuting Christians. And even Canada restricts Christians' freedoms. You know, people don't know that. Canada has a lot of restrictions on Christians' freedoms. Canada does. You know, let's ask the millions that are attempting to come here every year, risking their lives with, with the human smugglers, hiding these people in closed, suffocating heat box containers to get over here. Or the hordes of people coming over on makeshift rafts that aren't fit for a ride down a lazy river, let alone fit and safe to sail across the ocean. They're all risking life and limb, folks. We are the beacon they all want to come to, and this, this country really is that. Folks, we have the best economy ever in the history of our country, lifting the aspirations and hopes of, and lives of all Americans. Our workers in our factories have revolutionized industries and lifted millions into the middle class. You know, the evidence-based proof of our greatness was on full display when our American heroes defeated the Nazis and dethroned the fascists, where we toppled the communists and saved American values and principles. We've chased down terrorists, and now we're defeating the radical left Marxists who hate our country. We're defeating these anarchists, these agitators, these looters, and these angry mobs who are attempting to destroy our country's history, folks. And in his speech, Trump described the magnificent spirit that burns brightly our monuments and memorials that represent our legacy of our history and our heroes of the past. I thought the speeches were marvelous and, and, and just magnificent. I really thought they were something special. You know, Trump also uh, reminded the American press about their role to inform the people of the news. And he called out the press for providing air cover for those who look to end America. I think that's very compelling as well. He called them out for giving airtime to those who twist and corrupt the legacy of our history's great heroes. If you want an example of that, of course, I don't think anybody was there, but I was flipping channels because I wanted to see what some of the other Pravda networks were putting out there when Trump was speaking on Matt Rushmore. And they were all out there. They had all these fake experts out there, all these Marxist experts talking about how how our country is full of oppressors and how 
you know, how all of its founding fathers and all the founding leaders were just evil people. And, and that's what these people were saying on CNN. I mean, I, you could see the direct contrast between what they were promoting and what they were putting out in news, what they called, unquote, I put that in quotes, news. And they were avoiding Trump's speech. I mean, they were actually calling Trump's speech dark and divisive. Well, if anyone listened to the speech, they would know it wasn't dark and divisive. But it doesn't stop the the propaganda phony fake networks out there from calling it that, parading their phony Marxist experts out there saying it is. Folks, you know, Trump called out the fake news for not giving an opportunity to have real experts who support our history and our heroes of the past to defend that history of our nation on these shows. To rise above the hate and to grant the beloved heroes and the titans of our past their place in the development of the greatest country that God ever gave man. He called out these news agencies, these propaganda news agencies, fake news agencies, and said, where are the real experts? I mean, he, he all but called them out as for acting as an enemy of our nation and our people by slandering, demeaning, and dividing our country. Folks, this is what they're doing. But I thought it was really something was watching Trump introduce the National Garden of American Heroes. I mean, I thought that was that was really special. I mean, you know, he's out there. He says, okay, we've got the National Garden of American Heroes. And he introduced the great heroes who would be enshrined here. I mean, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln, Harriet Tubman, Daniel Boone, Audie Murphy. I love the fact that threw Audie Murphy in there. Audie Murphy is, uh, well, I like him in, the, in his old westerns. Audie Murphy is awesome. I, I like watching him. But he has a great story. People don't know who he is. He's the most decorated war hero that this country ever seen. Anyway. He called out Billy Graham, Martin Luther King, Ronald Reagan, and, and many, many others. I think he named about 30 of them. But I don't want to miss that. I think what was really interesting was that Trump laid this out. And he took the opportunity to, to introduce the National Guard of American Heroes. And I thought that was this is the right time in history to do this. You know, Republicans are looking for leadership at this point. They're kind of wandering aimlessly, looking for words to say (laughs) uh, to basically defend our country, defend our traditions and our history and our monuments, while these anarchists are out there doing their thing. And I think what's really interesting is, while the Republicans in the party are kind of looking and searching for the right words, Trump's out there just saying, okay, here it is, folks. I'm, I'm going to lead the way. But that's what leaders do. And I don't want to be overly hard on on the Republicans that don't have a lot to say, because the Democrats really don't either. I mean, the Democrats aren't saying anything on this. I mean, we know that they're supportive of these anarchists, these Marxist agitators. We know this. But they're not being challenged with the questions either. I mean, we've heard, we've seen Nancy Pelosi out there with quotes saying that they need to figure out how to how to do all this uh, peacefully, I think. I think she said, but whatever. 
uh, you know, we, we need to find a better way to do this. She, she was out there trying to declare that they, they don't have answers. So the Democrats are wandering aimlessly. The difference is the leader of the Democrat Party will soon be nominated as Joe Biden. And I, I, I don't know how else to say this, but Joe Biden is truly, I mean, he acts like he's 100 years old. He has absolutely no good answers. And as I got into this earlier, I mean, Joe Biden just, he, he is the complete caricature of of a mealy mouth politician stuff sure bureaucrat i mean if you had to i mean he's there there's a 47 year bureaucrat out there with no answers i mean we talk about we talked about all the bad ideas in one place well biden's going to be the leader of those bad ideas folks and they all know it see they know they don't have any enthusiasm they know this so don't be, don't be overly hard on the Republicans because the Democrats are in horrible shape. At least the Republicans have Trump out there. See, the Republicans have Donald Trump out there leading. And he's out there setting the, st- setting the pace and setting the stage. Trump is out there magnificently leading this country through this time. I mean, we've seen job numbers. We just saw incredible job numbers. Uh our economic condition, I thought was really important. We just saw the June job numbers came out, 4.8 million jobs. I mean, when you combine that with the nearly 3 million jobs created in May, this is about all. This is about one-third of all the jobs that were lost in April, in March and April, with the economic shutdowns. My guess is, like I said, I've been telling uh, people out there, I believe we're going to have about, Oh, maybe 75% or so of all the jobs that were lost in the spring come back before the election. And it's going to be absolutely huge for Trump. And it's coming back faster than than any of the fake experts who are wish-casting economic doom and gloom. They have been for the last 20 weeks on the Pravda Propaganda Networks. I mean, you've got these... You've got these Democrats now, they're talking about, you know, these governors are trying to lead on this, and they're talking about how long we're going to have to wear masks for, and, I mean, that's that's their answer. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, if I was in that party right now, I'd be wondering, what are they using to motivate anybody? Because there is no motivation for these people. There's absolutely none. There is no motivation for them. There's no energy in their base, other than they just don't like Trump. And that just isn't enough to top the threshold. And I, I don't want to miss that. I mean, Pennsylvania, we've got 6.49 million voters. And with the with the increases that we've had in voter registration in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have had 162, 163,000 new registered Republicans in the last four years. The Democrats have only had 25,000 new registered Democrats in the last four years. To put that in perspective, Berks County added over 7,000 registered voters in one one year, I should say, in four years. I think what's important on that is that's one, a little, a little less than one-third, maybe 30%, if you will, of the entire Democrat gains in the entire state over the last four years. I mean, the Democrats have gained almost nothing. All those people that they claim to be joining their party, all those young people graduating high school, graduating college, folks, they're not registering to vote. You said, well, Clay, how do you know that? I mean, how do you know that? 
because the registration numbers are out there and you see them. When you only have 25,000 new registered Democrats in the entire state over four years, that's a little over 6,000 per year. As I said to you before, we've had about 1,900 a year, okay, in the Berks, I should say, yeah, about 1,900 a year in the Berks, in the Berks County. I mean, Berks County had almost a third of what all the Democrats had in the entire state over the last four years. We've had in Democrat and Republican new registrations. The Democrats lost almost a thousand registered voters in Berks County alone, folks. And they're calling up <clears throat> doing what they call voter ID polls. So what they do is they call up and they say, how do you plan on voting, Democrat or Republican? They're just trying to figure out how bad their condition really is. It's sort of like putting a, a horse with a heart condition like Joe Biden on an EKG machine just so you can see how flat the heartbeat is. That's what's going on right now with the Democrats. And as I said before, there's so much enthusiasm for the Republican candidate Donald Trump and there's so little enthusiasm for the Democrat candidate Joe Biden that it is very telling. And this is being missed in all the news out there, folks. So I'm going to break it down for you right here on 1180 WFYL on our show, The Point. I mean, we are going to be the beacon of truth on this, folks. I, don't, I want to encourage you on this. Because when people say that Donald Trump's behind by five points in, 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 in this election, the Joe Biden in Pennsylvania, folks, that's a baloney lie. It's all, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lie. It's, it's a phony poll. It's baloney. Let's just look at it like this. If we have a 75% turnout with Republicans because of the enthusiasm levels, I think we will. That's almost 2 million registered. That's almost 2 million Republicans coming out to vote. And with, with 90% of them going to Trump, that puts them at almost 1.8 million votes right off the bat with Republicans. Well, the Democrats, if they turn out a 70% turnout, now again, they're just a little behind the Republicans, so they do a 70% turnout, they'll be slightly over 2 million registered voters. But because we know that there's no enthusiasm for Biden, we know that's likely that they're going to be under Republicans in turnout. But also, too, you're going to see more Democrats vote for Trump than Republicans vote for Biden. We know this. They know this. As I said, Trump's favorables in Pennsylvania are about 92% with Republicans. Biden's favorables amongst Democrats is in in the mid-80s with Democrats. Based on those favorable numbers, the Republicans, their base vote. Now, remember, I said said this earlier in the show. This is going to be a base election. It's going to be a base turnout. Based on those numbers, the Republicans will lead by about 20,000 votes before they even get to the independents. And that's encouraging, folks. I don't want to miss that. But because you are likely to get more Democrats to vote for Trump than Republicans to vote for Biden, it's likely you're going to see the the Republic. You're likely going to see Trump up by about 100,000 votes before they get to the independents. Now, that's truth that you can bank on in Denver, folks, based on actual math, statistics and data. Just on registered voters and percent of turnout. That's all I'm saying. And approvals, okay? And we can see that amongst the party. 
Now, when you look at the independents, I figure about 55 or so percent of the independents will come out, maybe 60 percent, but just say 55 percent turnout. That's about 535,000 votes. There's less than a million independents in the state of Pennsylvania. So even if it's 60 percent, you're still looking at under 600,000 votes. I mean, Trump could lose the independents, okay, because we figure there's going to be about 4 to 7 percent of the independents go for the libertarians. Go for the Green Party. You know what I'm saying? So you know that you're only going to get about, oh, 92, 93%, maybe 91% of the actual independents that vote for either Trump or Biden. Now, based upon that, and you throw all the actual mix mucks in there, and you just basically throw the extra uh, the numbers in there, you work it all together in the, in the melting pot, I suspect that Trump will win Pennsylvania by about 100,000 votes. Based on what, and that, and that's about 150, 60,000, I guess, for the third party candidates. Okay. That's about what I'm seeing. I mean, I figure that, <clears throat> I figure that's about what you're going to see. Cause I mean, there might be about 600,000 independents that come out. And I think you'll get about 35,000 Republicans vote for third party. You might get 100,000 Democrats vote for a third party. And then the you know, 600,000 independents will come out. And, uh, you know, you'll be about seven to nine, seven to nine percent of them will vote for a third party. So you're looking at even if it's 10 percent and maybe 60,000. But either way, even if Biden wins the independence by a couple of points, it doesn't matter. He still loses the state by 100,000 votes. So this is something that the Democrats know. What I'm sharing with you are some real gems, statistical, mathematical gems based on party registrations and based upon turnout model. So as I said before, folks, this is going to be a turnout election. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. So again, because we know the number one factor is enthusiasm. We know the enthusiasm is what drives out the vote in any election. And Trump dominates in this category. Joe Biden has flat, he's got a flat heart rate. He's got non-existent enthusiasm numbers. Everyone knows that. Trump will define Biden as a 47-year career politician who has supported losing policies that have decimated families and jobs and education and everything else. Biden's base vote is not coming out, folks. There's no enthusiasm. If it isn't there now, it isn't going to be there later. He's actually below Hillary Clinton, and I tell you, that's, that's a fact. That's a fact you can bank on in Denver. Republicans are coming out at a higher percentage than Democrats. This is a turnout election. We know it, and they know it. And that's what's already in place. Trump is dominating enthusiasm levels. Biden's on life support, and Trump is dominating. Folks, we're going to win this hugely. We're going to win this. I just don't want to miss that, and I wanted our listeners to get some encouragement on this. Because, folks, this is what this is all about. And when you look at these elections, you understand. So, you, you know, you wonder why. Why are the Democrats in the Pravda propaganda fake news networks, why are they, why are they out there supporting phony information? Why are they bringing out guys like John Kasich? Why are they doing this? Because Trump has masterfully handled these people. They know this. They know this, and he's, he's masterfully handled the polls, 
and his followers, his base is stronger than ever before, and they know it. Well, I want to want to wrap the show up in the next six or seven minutes here. I want to talk a little bit about some more media malpractice that went on about hydroxychloroquine. That's been out there in the news. I think we were we were listening to the fake news prop to prop to get propaganda out there, uh, trying to make it look like Trump was an you know a, an income poop, if you will, in recommending hydroxychloroquine with a Z pack and helping lower the death rates of COVID-19 patients. Well, Trump was right again, folks. And, and I want to, I want our listeners to say this because the headline, you're not going to see this headline anywhere, but right here on 1180 WFYL, you're not going to, not going to hear this headline anywhere. But the headline is that the Henry Ford health system in Michigan. Okay. They've released a study that shows the controversial anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine helps lower the death rate of COVID-19 patients, and I don't want anyone to miss that. Don't miss that. They just came out with a study that shows that hydroxychloroquine lowers the death rate of COVID-19 patients. Officials with the Michigan Health System said the study found the drug significantly decreases the death rate of patients involved in the analysis. Stephen Kalkanis is the CEO of Henry Ford Medical Group. Okay, he made a comment. He said, as doctors and scientists, we look to the data for insight. And the data here is clear that there was a benefit to using the drug as a treatment for sick, hospitalized patients. So the study published in the International Society of Infectious Diseases found patients did not suffer heart-related side effects from the drug. Folks, what's interesting about this is it all debunks the previous reporting by the Pravda Propaganda fake news networks that hydroxychloroquine didn't work. Amazingly, but not surprising, okay? They didn't report this, this truth. Why? Because they're the enemy of the people. This study in the, in, in the, from the Henry Ford Health System, this Henry Ford Health System study, okay, went largely unreported in the Pravda propaganda networks. Why? Because the enemy of the people, fake news, didn't want to give credit to Trump for citing this drug as a possible therapy treatment back in April. They were busy trying to knock Trump down, trying to say that Trump's incompetent, trying to say that Trump is incapable. And so all they did was put this phony fake stuff out there. And now the Henry Ford Health System does a study and they show they show that Trump was right. And the Pravda propaganda left it all off. Now, we're reporting it here because that's what we do. We unpack it. We unpack the truth. And uh, we do it distinctly here, folks. And we're going to continue to do it here. And uh, I mean, that's why you tune into us. That's why people listen to us. And we do. We appreciate people tuning into us. As I said, people tune in every week to this show because they know that we are the beacon of truth. They know that. We're the guidepost for all truth seekers, as I said. And we're explaining the unexplainable folks, but we are out of time. We thank you all for tuning in. Tune in later. Tune in later today uh, for a whole lot more on The Watchmen. As we're going to get more into the economic numbers, 
But also, we're going to get more into uh, what differentiates the the Marxist left with Trump, and uh, you know, again, just breaking that down, and uh, and also a little bit more on the Seattle mayor and what was going on over there in Seattle. We'll be talking about that as well. That's some really good listening, folks. Some good ear catching action. So stay tuned later today at four thirty, right here on AM Radio eleven eighty WFYL for the Watchman later today. But thank you all for listening. We appreciate you being with us today. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL, for this distinct, compelling discussion. Much of our audience tunes in to the point live during normal airtime in the listening area. They just listen, but others go to YouTube and search 1180 WFYL on YouTube and actually click listen live there. Others just go to the website, 1180WFYL.com, and click Listen Live there. However you choose to listen, and some pick us up on the podcast, which is uploaded instantly right after the show, thanks to our expert tech staff. Uh, anyway, but we, choose, we, we appreciate you folks listening to us, and those that choose to listen to us, that's why we're here. So thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.